0: You don't need to measure yourself to anyone else. Um, People do things differently. There isn't a right way to be a mom. Um, You don't need to have mommy guilt. Like, you do your best and you figure it out. And parenting looks different to different people. And you raise your kids the best way you know how to. But you also learn.
1: Hello and welcome to About Time, the show where we have long overdue conversations about the journey of women in sports. I'm Marky Freeman, athlete, author, fan of sports, and an even bigger fan of the women who are changing them. In today's episode, we'll talk about the beauty and the hardships of motherhood, coaching, and how to balance both. There is no one better to speak on this topic than the legendary coach Adia Barnes herself. Not only has she led the University of Arizona women's basketball team to unprecedented heights, including a historic NCAA championship appearance, she has also been an outspoken advocate for women, especially mothers in the world of sports. Please help me welcome Coach Barnes. This interview is brought to you by WeCoach. Prior to Title IX, over 90% of women collegiate sports teams were coached by women. Today, over 50 years later, that number has decreased to 41%. That's why WeCoach launched Move the Numbers to help change the landscape for women coaches and the student-athletes they lead. WeCoach is a -a one-of-a-kind nonprofit membership organization dedicated to recruiting, advancing, or retaining women coaches in all sports and levels through year-round professional growth and leadership development programs. WeCoach fosters a diverse and inclusive community of over 10,000 coaching leaders who inspire young women to follow in their footsteps. If she can see her, she can be her. Together, we move the numbers to support and increase women in coaching. We teach. We inspire. We motivate. We lead. We coach. Visit our website at WeCoachSports.org. That's WeCoachSports.org.
0: Hi, my name is Coach Barnes, and it's about time we talk about women. All the things we go through, all the things we juggle, and how we are super women. Well, first off, we got to talk about where your
1: journey began at Arizona, because it started far before coaching, right? I mean, let's go ahead and throw it out there. We're going to get to some stats at some point as well. But you are a phenomenal player. You graduated in the class of 98 from the University of Arizona, right? <laughs> Pac-10, yeah. And I'm sorry about that. Sorry, I'm only just 39. stating facts. You look, you look great. Um, Pac-10 Player of the Year, All-American, and you led Arizona. You helped lead Arizona to their first ever appearance in the Sweet 16. Now, as the head of the program, right in the first three years, you have led this top this program to a top 15. You won the WNIT, and you made an appearance in the national championship game. What does it mean
0: to revive this program back into what you knew it could be? Well, it, it means a lot because I remember when I first started coaching and I was at Washington, when mm-hmm. neighbors, our mutual friend, um, coach Mike Neighbors, he's now the coach at Arkansas, as you know, um, he would always talk about Arizona. And it was like when you talked about Arizona, it was like, you know, you're going to win because Arizona was always the bottom of the Pac 12. I used to slice, slice so they were like, we were good when I played. Like now it's like it, just the program had been down for a while. So if you look, if you would have asked me at the end of my playing career, if you would have said, are you going to coach? I would have said, heck no. <laughs> so when I was playing, Joan had offered me the job a couple of times and I was like, "Uh, uh-uh, I'm playing. I'm taking naps every day. I'm making it. <laughs> one- I'm kicking it like I'm not I don't want to be a coach. And then like as you get like towards the end of your career, you're kind of like, well, what have I done? Like, I'm, I've been good at basketball for a while. You know, I've played And then, like, I started getting some broadcasting, but that wasn't, like, a passion. And so you're Mm at this little, like, crossroads where you're like, okay, well, my passion is basketball. This is what it's exposed and given me. Um, I've traveled the world. I've done all these things. But then you really haven't worked. And, like, working is
2: different. Mm -hmm.
0: And so I knew I was going to plant my, my, like, seed in Seattle and stay in Seattle. I had lived out of a suitcase for years. I mean, that's, like, 13 years at that point, living out of a suitcase. And at that point, it had been, like, I don't know, like nine years. Okay. And I don't want to move again. So I was going to move to Seattle. I had been there for a while at this point, and I had a foundation. I had relationships. I was doing some stuff with the storm. So I was like, I want to be here. Well, Kevin McGuff got the Washington job. Uh huh. I didn't know McGuff, but McGuff ended up calling me, and I didn't know if I wanted to coach. I just retired from playing. So, like, I had a little bit of money saved, not a lot. You know, we don't make a lot. And then, um, I was like, but enough to just be comfortable, kind of figure out what I want to do. And I said, yeah, I'm going to coach. I didn't even know how much money I've made. I didn't even ask that. I remember now I'm like, I should ask. (laughs) But um, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't care. I just wanted to see if I liked it. And I started it and I loved it. I loved the mentoring. I loved the teaching. I loved basketball. And I was still able to do some broadcasting at the time. So that's Mm kind of how it started because I was like, I need that backup plan in case I don't like coaching. Right. And I fell in love. And then I just, um, I really liked my connection. I liked being around the team. I liked working out with them. This is like, I had just retired, but I was like 32. And so that's kind of how it started. And I've been coaching since then. That's like, yeah, that's a while ago. Yeah, 2000, that would have been like 11. Yeah, because I was at Washington Five Years. Crazy, I don't know.
1: There are a lot of people in the space of sports who don't believe in hiring women, whether it's athletic directors managers of all levels they just feel like sometimes because of the responsibility that women could have as wives as mothers that could conflict with the role and responsibilities that may that they may have on the staff or within the program as a wife as a mother as a woman and as a boss what do you have to say to the people that ha- share these thoughts or these ideas
0: i mean you're getting the valuable person <laughs> you're a woman. like you're getting the, with something way better um it's so, i'm not saying that to be like like rude I'm just what I'm saying is okay it is very hard it is mm-hmm. hard, but I look at some aspects of juggling a lot stuff like that but it's hard regardless I think that I'm better now now um, as a mom than I was before like I'm a better coach mm-hmm. I'm a better leader I'm a better um, person I think mm-hmm. all those things, so I think that what I'm able to give is um, more valuable than what you don't have, like or what you lose as me being a woman versus a man. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. I have to be honest, as a woman, sometimes I'm like, day, if I was a guy, it'd be way easier because I'm doing the county. So the time when they're small is a little bit more taken away, but the, the things that I have and the things I can give are more valuable than what is taken from my time. Because I think that for me personally, I love being a mom. It's very hard. It it's mm-hmm. not, I see why women don't do it. I totally do. Before I did mm-hmm. none. Um, but I think that what you do is you just have a village around you. And I know that's like cliche, but like you have friends, you pay for help. You may miss a couple things, but then you make it up another way. So I think I'm better. But do I have as much time as a man to just spend? all day every day just on film no i don't and so sometimes as a woman sometimes i'm like well he just bad the the now that's easier for him but the thing that you i think that you just learn as a woman which i think what's why we're so much more resilient i think do a better job overall is because you just learn how to like do more with less so i may mm-hmm. see this guy may sleep 10 hours a day but probably not because he probably goes and drinks with his buddies but like I may be put to sleep, but then I'm gonna I'm gonna do, I feel like you're more balanced and you can multitask more. So then when your kid gets older, it's it's like nothing. So what what was stress a normal guy out because guys can not multitask anyway. But what was stress a normal guy out is like nothing to me because I do that I do 15 jobs anyway. Mm. But mm-hmm. I don't think it takes away from me as a coach. Like sometimes at times as a woman you do feel that way. I'm like dang, I have my um wife at home clean the house and all this I wouldn't have to do that sometimes you do feel that way but then the things I'm able to role model I'm able to be like all those things I think it's just it outweighs what I don't bring no so well said well and I didn't even think like when you said that it was funny I, when you were saying that I didn't even think nowadays that people think about not hiring women mm-hmm. like I just thought like well now like you may I, I thought that's not like a thing as much now, but I could see like, I could see honestly, um, if I'm in the middle of like the prime of my career, which I hopefully am right now. I don't know if someone, if I'm going to have four more kids, I mean, I don't know if I'd want to hire me because like that would be just be really hard. So that's hard. Mm-hmm. And no one's going to ask you how many more kids are you going to have? But like, if I'm an administrator, I don't know, like if I'm going to have six kids, that would probably be really hard. So that's, yeah. but, but I think when you're a woman that's focused, you're competitive um I'm not like it's like I'm gonna do it I might have set six nannies if I have if I could afford them I may be working to just pay for nannies but like I'm the type I'm never gonna let what I have affect my dog. and so like I'm gonna do it do you know what I mean because I never want to be that woman that like takes three months off like no no one gets three months off so I was on Zoom calls after four days after C-section mm. so like mm. Like, I had a surgery, I had just like a minor minor complication for a pregnancy. So, I had a, I had a procedure done like a week ago and I did a Zoom call the next day. I didn't tell anybody, I didn't say oh, wow. I had this thing. I did a Zoom call, but I'm not going to let it phase my job. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to figure it out. But I think, I think like a lot of women can't do that. I think when you're an athlete and you're like, I think when you just, I think it's different people, you're built different ways. I'm not going to sit out three months. Now, some women probably would. But then I don't think they could be at this level probably because there isn't going to be a balance. So it's like when you're choosing to do it, but I'm willing to do that. I might be a little pain, but I'm not going to let you know it. I'm just going to be on the Zoom, like fine and do it. So I'm never going to let my motherhood or my personal life affect my professional life. Mm -hmm.
1: You just said it. Mothers with careers are just built different. And and that's true. Like, motherhood never stops. I mean, I can't imagine. I know prior to to starting this conversation, you were like, hold on, let me make sure the door is shut <laughs> before some of my kids come rushing in. Motherhood never ends. So for you, with all the responsibilities you have, all the many hats that you wear, Adia, how do you manage that demanding load? How do you
0: manage that mentally? And how do you manage that load physically? You just do it. Like i think that that's what i'm saying when you're an athlete i, I think whatever it's like how you're built and i think that's there are a lot of us And i hate to say that like um an example is i look at my sister my sister's brilliant she's really smart but like she wouldn't be able to do the stuff i do because she'd be mm-hmm. stressed out but she also didn't play sports at a high level a lot of the resiliency as i do i look at my friends and some are some bad like professional and they could do it but there are some of my friends that it's not the way they're wired it's like, when I look at like Don, I look at Sue, where I look at like my professional friends, like, I feel like you're wired a certain way that you're so competitive. And you're so driven. It's like, it could be a coach, it could be a doctor, like, like, we're gonna be successful, because we believe in it, we're gonna, we're resourceful. So I think it's kind of the way you are. And it's not for everybody. And like, that's mm-hmm. okay. But for me, it's like, um you just figure it out. Like, Okay, still, well, let me show you the sample. I'm going to show you this real quick. <laughs> um, so this is like color-coded. And this is nothing because we can start, but this is like, like weekly schedule. Oh, okay. wow. If you look on it, it's like idea, pick up kid like drop them off, salvo, come. Like this is a pain in my butt. Like men don't do this.
2: Well, shout
1: out to you for the coordination and the organization. Shout out to you for the time it took just to create the time to do those things. But how much of like all of this organization the energy and your ability to do and the fact that you are built like that comes from your playing career?
0: A lot comes from my playing career. I think I think of um, the resiliency, the acceptance of um. You need to get better. The constructive. Need the self-awareness, the self-evaluation. Wow. The toughness. I mean, it comes from, I think, playing. But I also think, I don't know, I think a lot of it comes innately too because, um, like, I'm competitive. So I, it could have been, like, for me playing, it could have been medical school, it could have been lost. I don't know. That's kind of the way I am. And sometimes I think I'm like, where did I get that from? But my mom was pretty competitive. My dad was a pro football player. I think he just kind of have it. And how I can, like, you, people are like that or not. Kelsey Plum is like that. Like mm-hmm. she's like meth. Like, she's not like a dog and I think it's like the mentality so if she wasn't playing basketball she would be like the best doctor. She would maybe not be the smartest, maybe not be, but she's going to figure out and be the best. I think it's just the mentality and how you're wired and what you're willing to do. So this is hard, but it ain't that hard. Like it's hard. It takes a few hours, but I'm going to do it and do it right and it's going to be okay. And you mm-hmm. figure out then you put good people around you so like the dobo's great. she's like the best she's new like two or three months the best one I ever had and like mm-hmm. I'd do half the stuff without her so you put this good village around you and you um you figure it out so you can do your job and you can do your job at a high level well because if you don't win you're not gonna you're gonna get fired mm-hmm. so you just and I don't think like that every day but that's the reality of our job just like if you're a player you don't play well you don't perform you're gonna get cut mm-hmm. I think that for me, that's not scary because if I if I got fired or cut, I'm gonna go get another job, and it might be even better. Like I mm-hmm. it doesn't really, I don't really, it doesn't phase me. Like I'll probably get fired one day. Every coach says I'll probably move on before you fire me because I'm gonna figure out something else. <laughs> like you're not scared of that stuff. It's who you are and not what you are. Yeah, it's like yeah, who you are, and you figure it out. Like it's all hard, but to me, I've learned how to love the hard stuff. Mm, that's a tweetable right there, Coach. Yeah, there's that's a tweetable. And for me, it's hard. Like everything's hard. Like being good's hard. Like making money's hard. Like winning's hard. But it's like that's what you. That's what you're. That's what you're striving for. that's like drives me. Embracing those challenges. I
1: can see how so much of that can come from sports, but also just innately being able to take on those challenges as well. Um, and you've been very successful because of who you are, what you're you and how you're built. Oh, yeah. <laughs> who who is this? Is this Mateo? What's up, Mateo? How are you? I, Welcome to About Time, man. We're having
0: great conversations with Mommy right now. We're having a great conversations with Mommy and going. And he's trying to grab my phone. I'll say okay, bye. bye. <laughs> have- I told you. No, this is letterhood and its finest. It never ends. Yeah, no, but in the, back in COVID, you'd be kicking them on the sides. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like, because they couldn't come in. Remember, pre COVID, you'd be like, you'd be like stiff arming them on the side, and they'd be like, I <laughs> told you to come in because it covered the phone. See you, buddy. See you. Okay. You've had
1: a ton of success along with motherhood Mutter- and the space of basketball, right? And I want to talk about a few of the highlights from the NCAA tournament back in 2021 a lot of highlights in terms of play, big play, final four, championship game. But one highlight that I will never forget was you pump- pumping
0: breast milk at halftime of the championship game. But that now, that, was that is being very- to be like that was like so that should that was private, you know that. Yeah, yeah. I really yeah. about that, but then I'm helping people so then I was okay. I was really upset.
1: Well, first off, I, I want to take my hat off to you and just commend you because I feel like it really, really encompasses who you are as a woman, who you are as a mom, who you are as a coach, who you are as a boss. Like you just really stood tall in that in that space, and I feel like you inspire so many women who also have careers, but motherhood is still a priority. How do we normalize motherhood in the sports industry?
0: Well, I think that the first thing is um – well so you have to support women that's the first thing so mm-hmm. are hired like you said and, and they're not giving opportunities because it's like it but then a lot of women aren't going after stuff so like i hear women all the time say like oh i want to have kids when they want to do this so i'm afraid to go after this and it's like okay <laughs> like, well, okay that's you I, I don't know but it's like you're already like like, um, afraid to take the next step and you're thinking about things. You're not even married. Like, yeah, like hello, you ain't mm-hmm. even married. Yeah. No, first don't worry about that. <laughs> no, but like, right. It's like thinking all these things before. So I like, I'm not like that. Um, it wasn't like, I, I thought about that now for me. Now, if you looked it back, COVID had a baby, like I got pregnant right before COVID hit. And so mm-hmm. my like, incognito, I was hiding. And mm-hmm. so COVID hit for me, it was like, like it was like, I did not want COVID because COVID was devastating for this country. But like for me personally, it was a way for me to go hide. So for me personally and for my situation, it was a great thing, like timing wise, and a great thing because I was able to go home and no mm-hmm. pregnancy because I was hiding. I was going through contract negotiation. I was um, not sure if I would maintain the baby because I was like 40 something years old. Mm-hmm. And like for me personally, I-, I was hiding. So if you looked at all my Zooms back then, they were all like this, my face was getting a sub but everybody just thought I was eating the ton of and COVID like everybody was. And so I like seven months. And so, but oh, I wow. can look back, the fact that like I had to hide it is sad. The fact that I was like, uh-uh, I'm not telling anybody I'm pregnant, the fact that I went through that, that's like some, like, that's not right. Mm-hmm. That's a whole nother thing. But I think um, looking back at like the bubble, like there's no support for women. Like we are women's basketball and there's no support for women. So I'll give you the example. Mm-hmm. Which I advocated for later. Like catching flights, there's a certain amount of people on your flight. Well, like kids didn't they don't count and they can't count. So here's an example. If I, I had an infant, she doesn't count at the ticket because she goes on mm-hmm. your lap. Every other and, time, you- Well, in the NCA, she's a she's a counted person. Oh wow! See, so if your party only has thirty, there's you can't take people like you couldn't take her, and so I remember at first, like she couldn't be in the bubble because she would compromise the bubble, and I'm like, I am her bubble because she's on her. (laughs) So like I had to kind of say for that, and my thing was, well, like I'm not going to coach then because like I'm not leaving her. So I don't know. So we figured it out, and our school was really supportive, but I didn't realize there was no support because I was a head coach, so I could like decide to bring her. Yeah. assistant coach like asking so i didn't realize it was such a thing because i hadn't been in that situation
2: yeah.
0: um, So i think that but i think about me like during the final four during the championship run i was standing half the time next to um trash cans and pumping because i was the only outlet um but for me it was just like you do what you gotta do like i wasn't gonna sit there and tweet about it mm-hmm. and i like I, looking back i would have done it differently but i didn't want to bring attention to it because my thing was is the I'm going to do it. You're not going to know how I do it. And I'm going to walk out like I didn't do it. So Mm -hmm. it was the, but that's sad. So, yeah, I'm going to go, if I have to go stay in the hallway near the security guard, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to do it because that's what I have to do. But I wouldn't talk about it. I wouldn't tell everybody. I probably wouldn't even tell my team. Like it's just, and then I would walk in like I never did it. So that's what we do. And I think that I was upset because during the, I was so stressed. The timing was hard during the championship game. And I was stressed, so I, I get to the gym, usually I'd be able to, like, pump real quick, because then I, I could last couple hours and, like, be okay. Well, because I had to go into media, the timing was I had more obligations, but I was so stressed, I was like, oh, I will need to pump, because there's no way I'm going to produce any milk, because this is stressful. I had never been in that kind of stress. And so in the game, I was, like, feeling uncomfortable, so I was, like, feeling my shirt, you know, like, <laughs> like my boobs are like, you know, you get more you know, <laughs> breastfed. And I felt like my mood was growing. They probably looked like this or they felt like they looked like that. And I was like, I do not want to have like wet on my shirt in front of like... Mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. But me purely like I was scared. So I was just going to run to the locker room and just relieve myself a little bit. Like it was just like, okay, you got to be okay. Don't, I don't want to be thinking about that. And I just felt that a couple of I felt discomfort. So I snuck and did it for a couple of minutes, but I would have never told anybody. So what happened was I talked to the team and I was kind of later coming out because after they left, I had to, like, get myself together after. Mm-hmm. And then I was rushing because it was like a minute and a half walk. And, like, I think Holly was going to talk to me and someone said, like, she just got done pumping. So it got out. I would have never said that. If you would ask asked me about it as media after, I'd be like, oh, I was using the bathroom. I would have never told anybody. Wow. I wouldn't want anybody to know what I do because I'm just going to do it and be fine. And,
1: and Coach, I... Yeah, I think but th- I think that's also the issue, right? The fact that you you had to keep it so close, the fact that you felt like you couldn't tell anyone because that could interfere with your opportunities to get a job. It could interfere with how people see you or your, your ability to do your job well. Right. And or it could just become a
0: distraction. Uh, well, some that's people want a distraction. Is. Yeah, Not I never wanted. So I would have never because if you look back, I was like, I did that 20 times. Mm-hmm. Like like or I had but I hadn't really done that because I used to do it before the game. But I would have I would have thought to myself, yeah, I did that every time it's secret before the game. But just cause this game and the timing of it, I was never by myself long enough. But like I for me it wasn't a thing, but no one ever did that. There was plenty of times I probably had milk all over my shirt walking out to coach games we were wearing our casual stuff. So <laughs> <'Cause> thank <laughs> God for COVID. Because <laughs> if it wasn't in COVID, you would have been seeing milk stains all over but <laughs> Casual stuff, if I had regular clothes on, it would have been, it would have been harder. So for me, it was like, thank God that we can wear casual stuff because I was like, usually had like breast stuff under, like, but like, I would never tell anybody that, but it is sad when you think about, like, I hid so much, like so much, something men would never have to think about. They would never (laughs) be able to do that. There's, they wouldn't be able to be engorged in a game. They wouldn't be able to like, like, it's just, they wouldn't be able to do that. Like they would go periods and codes. Like it's just, they're not, they're not strong enough to do it. And I
1: mean, Mateo was floating around in the background. and I mean, you didn't miss a beat, like your ability to just stay focused. But but also I couldn't do that. You gave her the look though. I got that look from my mama a couple of times. I saw the look. If you don't read there. no doubt. But but during that same week, you talked about the importance of your role. And I love, I know that was hard for you, um, for everyone to know that was a very private moment for you, but you also embraced it and you talked about all the people that you represent from being a mother, right? And how hard that is. You talked about coming back after having a child, a C-section, just four days later. Being a mother is really, really hard. You also talked about representing black women and, and having the opportunity to do something that a lot of women, black women haven't had a chance to do just yet. And how you represent them on the biggest playing surface in the history of sports. You also referenced your children. You pointed directly at Capri and she might've just been six months old, but you said, I represent her as well. In your representation, what is it that you want to model for these different groups, these different in- individuals?
0: Well, like we can do like you can do anything like you don't not go for your dream because you're afraid of like motherhood. Like you figure, like you figure it out. You have good people around you. You create friendships, you know, another mom where you share you share something. You you figure it out and you and you do it. Um, and I think that there's never good timing. But I was not about to let like I, like I was so career driven, like um If you asked me when I was 30, like, is your dream to have kids or they have by now? Like, like, it wasn't like, no. when you're like a driven woman, you're not like me personally. I wasn't planning like, oh, I want to get married. This big fence, these kids. And then I was like, no, I'm going to do this, this. And then I'll fit that in where I can. Like, and I don't know if that's probably selfish. And maybe some women don't think like that. Maybe they're, they're like ultimate goals to be a mom. For me it's like i love being a mom and it's something i love but it's like my goal was to like i have goals career-wise man if the Mm mother but it's not gonna change my career so like it wasn't like um my like i don't know but i did put it off for years because for a while i was like i'm not having a kid like starting that like so i think looking back now as a mom i wouldn't have done that because i would have probably had one more child but Because I was so driven, I was like, "I'm not having kids now. I'm trying to like do something." And then after a while, you get to a point where it's like, "Okay, it's getting late. Like, I need to have kids. Like, I want to have kids. I want to be. I want to be a mom. I don't want to like wait and it's too late." But I think it is. But then also, like, think what's hard for us women too is like most women go through a miscarriage. I'd say like, I don't know, it's like probably three and eight or something. It's a really high percentage. So before I had Capri, I went through like a public miscarriage. So, and I had just announced, and it was really, it was just embarrassing a little bit. It, sh- it, it shouldn't be embarrassing, but it is. I had just announced it like on a Monday on my radio show. I was like, yeah, you know, like I'm so excited. And then it happened like that week. But this is the crazy part. Like women don't talk about that. There's so many things that women go through that is so hush-hush. That I also tried to speak about things because like I didn't even know women, like have miscarriages at such a high rate so I had one, then everybody else had one around me. I was Mm -hmm. like, I know that. So we don't even talk about that stuff to help each other. So Mm -hmm. when I had the miscarriage, I remember I then they did a story and I talked about it. Like, yeah, that happened. I had women like coming up to me on campus, hugging me and crying and saying that same thing happened to me. I read your story. But it's like I didn't even know that before it happened to me. I just like, this is what happened to me. I just can help a woman. I'm and I talked about it. But it's like, we're so close and like women don't help each other. So it wasn't even ever, I didn't even know it was such a big thing until like afterwards, which is crazy. So, and then there's other stuff, like I think with black women, there's like the breastfeeding, like a lot of black women don't breastfeed. Like I just, a lot of that stuff I wasn't even aware of until Mm -hmm. after, because it's like there was a way I was going to do things how I was raised. And I was like, wow, other women like couldn't breastfeed because they didn't have an office. There was so many things. So I helped open like a uh, like a mommy um, quarter here. But stuff that I never thought about, because when I got pregnant, like I had my office, right? Mm-hmm. It was just a lot of um, situations that I didn't know and I could advocate for that I was like, wow, you went through that. But then I didn't know, like if there's a, a woman down the hall, if she's in a cubicle, like she couldn't breastfeed. I could shut my door. And I just didn't do that. But And then I thought, well, don't they just give you a place to do it? And then some of those women were like, no. And it's just like, what? Like, I thought, because I would be the type th- like, I need to use that thing for a second. Or I, but I'm not that way, actually. I would go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. But I'm also more open than some people. And if you walked in, I'd be like, sorry, I'm breast, I'm-, I'm pumping. But a lot of women aren't that comfortable to do that. Right. But so some of that's for being an athlete. Like, you are probably more comfortable in your skin. You're a better advocate for yourself because you have to speak up for yourself. So I think those mm-hmm. things, of course. So I'm like, well, Sorry, I had to go walk to the bathroom and stand there. Sorry, you guys can't come to the bathroom. You know, like I just think it's different. You're kind of Mm. inguarid a little different, right? Yeah, I would agree.
1: And and I have to say this: like your vulnerability, your transparency, and your moments. Our vulnerability creates space and and insight and helps so many others. So I just want to acknowledge that as well. Absolutely beautiful. Mm. Something that some may frown upon are couples coaching. That's something that's very different. You're not just a mommy, but you're also a wife, right? Your husband, Salvo, he's on your staff and he has a wealth of knowledge, 10 years, over 10 years of coaching experience. But I would love to know, and I think many would love to know this as well, is how is that dynamic? Being a wife out off the court, but also being a wife and a leader, because you're never not a wife, right? But being a leader on the court, how is that dynamic in a space that can get very intense and competitive?
0: Well, so Salvas we're so different. And so I think mm-hmm. that's really we have a we make a really good cup like a really good marriage and partnership because we have different strengths and different mm-hmm. weaknesses. And our personalities are so different. But I think um the great thing about him, he's really supportive. He's a great dad. He's loving, and he supports me in my space. And like that, for him, I think the miscarriage was harder for him than me, because for me, I had to be this like strong woman. I didn't want to show him. He was already so sad. I think it was more scary for him than for me, because he said, "You need to stay home." Like I literally, I remember one. So I didn't know, like after a mis after a miscarriage. So my situation was the baby had died. Okay this is like, I know I'm probably like, people are like, TMI, you can always cut this out. But um, so then I had to go in and I was like, wait, what do I do? You know, I'm like, Mm -hmm. pregnant. And like, I didn't know that, like, I thought it just died. Like it's small. So I thought, okay, like it probably goes out, but I never, I never thought of the process because women don't talk about Mm -hmm. it. So they were like, well, you need to go into the hospital. And I was like, okay. So I thought you go into the hospital and it's like, you're awake. And they probably just like, I don't know, like, remove something or scrape something i thought like that's just what i thought i never like googled it or anything so i didn't think it happened to me but like it is a surgery so i remember like on a thursday in the morning they were like stop drinking if the next six hours was coming here and they like rushed me in the next day i had to coach on a friday a pack 12 game which i would have never told anybody i wouldn't have missed mm-hmm. the game. i wasn't gonna miss the game and tell my boss i'd have missed carries there's no way like i would die mm-hmm. so i had to go um Coach on Friday, Saturday I had 150 people at my house for an alumni women's basketball event that had been planned for like a year, and I'm planning birthday. Sunday I had another game to coach, so I remember going in there, getting the procedure done, and I got home like two in the morning. But I had to like go under anesthesia, which I didn't think that's what happened. Like if you never had miscarriage, you don't know that. So I had to go under anesthesia. And I guess they remove everything. Because if they didn't do that, I could have been coaching it on the game on Friday and it could happen during the game or on Saturday or Sunday. And the likelihood of it happening the next three, four, five days was very high because your body's going to get rid of stuff, right? So I was like, wait, I can't like, that can't happen. I, like if I'm at a game, I start bleeding. And I was like, no. So I had to go like under surgery. I remember the next day in the game, I had like this big diaper on. It's like a depends, like panel mm-hmm. bleeding for a while. You have to work for like a month. And I remember sitting in the game, like, obviously, you're on pain pills because it was painful. Mm-hmm. So I remember sitting on pain pills in the game. And I remember saying to myself, what am I doing here? <laughs> like, But, like, that's the sad part that's like, what, this is life, like, this happens, But then the competitive coach to me is like, you suck it up. You do what you got to do. You don't let anybody know. And you coach this game. So, like, it's like this, like, thing. And I was going to coach the game. It was very hard. I was in pain, but I wasn't gonna. Lie. I wasn't gonna let my players know that. And it was funny because like the players knew something. I would have never told. I would have died before I told them. They knew something. They we weren't good. They played their hearts out. It's like they knew I was hurt. They knew something was wrong. Didn't know what, and they just played great and won the game. Like, mm-hmm. Wow! It was just a moment that I didn't have time to grieve. Then the next day, I was busy all day. I remember looking back at pictures. I was like, I don't know how I did that. And like my husband's like dying inside. He's just so sad for the weekend. And then the coach did another game on Sunday. So I didn't even have like, and I wasn't going to not coach or take a week off. Like that's one of those things. as a woman like, you're coaching and you know, I don't want anybody to know. I wasn't going to tell my boss. Like, you well, had A miscarriage. You have a couple of days off. Like, no, you need to win. And so, but those are the things why we, it's about time when we talk about it, because it's our reality. But for me, I'm never going to let that be held against me. Like, oh, she's not going to be a real coach. No, it's like she can handle stuff when stuff happens. And I would have never told anybody it happened. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Like, yeah. I, I would have just, like, done it, like, not talked about it. But then it's like when it comes up. And I think, honestly, I was probably having a conversation. And everybody found out here because I had publicized it. So I would have never told anybody otherwise. Well, like we all knew after a while, the week later I wasn't pregnant anymore. So everybody's just like, so it's like it was out there without me wanting it to be out there. Mm-hmm. So when COVID happened, I was like, I am hiding, <laughs> like I'm not going through that again. Like if it mm-hmm. happens now, so those are things that we have to do. But it's like you just do it. Like I I think just you're stronger mentally, so you're more resilient. So so then when something happens, like you lose a couple games, or you lose some like or you lose recruit like it's like you coach a day after a miscarriage like you go like you had a to cease that mm-hmm. later. it's just like so it's like nothing like the stuff we do is so big like it's doing something else isn't hard i'm like that's not hard what's hard is coaching after it, getting a, a miscarriage mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. or other stuff's harder so it just puts things in perspective i guess and,
1: and one thing first off i just want to acknowledge your 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 bravery, your courage in that situation to still show up at an extremely high level. Um, and I think a lot of women go through these things and because we don't have the conversations, they don't feel that support. For you, when you did have a moment to deal with all of those emotions, when you did have a moment to kind of come to and, and, and kind of revisit those things that you were going through physically, mentally and emotionally, like how did you take care of yourself? How did you prioritize your mental health? And not just your mental strength, but your mental well being.
0: Um, I'm a very strong mental person. I think that my moments, honestly, I had a baby. I had a little. I think he would have been like two years old. So I had a two year old. I didn't want like to see me sad all the time. He wouldn't have understood right. And then mm-hmm. I had a husband that was already sad. So like I wasn't gonna cry in front of him every day. So I cried alone mm-hmm. only- myself. Oh. And my mom, you know, and like a couple of good, my sister, they were all sad. Like, instead, so I would talk to them about it. I just didn't understand why that happened because I'm healthy. Like, I don't do drugs. Like, I don't smoke. I don't drink alcohol. It's just so, like, I just thought, like, God, that's not fair, you know? But but then I just thought, like, it's just th- everything happens for a reason. And what, what was going on that wasn't right. Like, the timing wasn't right. So I used to be in God's hands. And honestly, for me, I was more blessed that, like, the situation happened the way it did because my, like, the baby had passed away from a chromosomal problem. So for me, I was happy that that happened versus you finding out you have a chromosomal problem and you have to have an abortion. Like, I probably would have never gotten an abortion. And then my health was at risk or I would have delivered a baby that had passed away. So my mindset was, like, under the situation God made a decision for me. So I was at peace with that. So like it's it wasn't meant to be if i have my one child that's okay mm-hmm. and so that piece at peace with the way it happened because i felt like he put me through that and it happened the way it should you know mm-hmm. so i so i think for me that was like i didn't i guess like the way i grieved was just like you know i cried a little bit but i didn't want to cry for my husband's so like sometimes in the back folks that's the way i relax i would like mm-hmm. cry a little, a little bit but it wasn't like i was crying every day because like i couldn't do anything about it like that's out of my control and like me crying and feeling worse was harder. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, it's okay. Like you're going to get through this. Like I just like self-talk to myself and and just figure it out. And then I was busy. So you stay busy, which I think is better. You're going to get through everything. It just might things take different time. And it's not on your time. It's on God's time. And I can I control mm-hmm. what I can control and I can do the best. So I'm my mindset's always like if I do the absolute best I can, And if I'm doing things the right way, I'm being a good person, I'm doing those things, like everything else happens the way it's supposed to around you. So I'm not going to sit there and cry every day about it because if I'm supposed to have another kid, I am. And I had Capri. Everybody said I couldn't have Capri. And she was like, my miracle baby. So when I look back and like, that other wasn't supposed to be. And then I had a baby at 44. No one gets pregnant at 44. Like I'm 46 with a two-year-old. Like I was like, it was like a 9% chance. And you're balling. Let's go. (laughs) Just like I just don't um I just like it's just the way it's supposed to be, I guess. Things happen for a reason. So and, crazy.
1: and I love how you said you're you're rooted in your faith and you're also rooted in resilience and perseverance, um, which has so much to do with everything that you've overcome and accomplished to date and just you showing up for your children also showing up for your team at that time it makes a lot of sense because also during that NCAA run back in 2021 um Ari McDonald took the world by storm with her performance you guys made a phenomenal run a historic run in program history but something that she continued to talk about consistently was a relationship that you and her have you guys still have that relationship to date after talking to her not too long ago but how does your motherhood and being a mother, how does that impact your ability to
0: connect and culture players? Well, I think it what a couple of things it does. So parents are crazy. So mm-hmm. the like parents are crazy. I think when you're a mom though, you kind of understand. You don't understand why they're crazy, but you understand that love. Because like you don't love anything, like you love your husband but you love your kid differently. (laughs) So like, you know what I mean? Like you you may go, uh, you may hide out in another country for your kid, leave everything. But I think there's this difference. So I think you understand that kind of love. And a lot of parents just love their kids so much. So you see, you understand why people do certain things. Mm -hmm. You're more understanding and things aren't so big or so small. So like what I've learned is from being a mom is like, the loss is bad, but then you walk in. And someone's like, "Mommy, you like you're not mad anymore. You're mad inside, but you're not like if you were by yourself. You'd be like pissed all night, watching all night of film. But like you can't do that sometimes as a mom. So I think that makes it you put things in perspective because it's just a game. And so it really, I think it really grounds you on that. I think it's if you think about how happy if you have a pet, how happy your pet is, but the kid is like on another level, and you have to still you don't want to be mad at the kid when you come home. We hadn't seen the kid all day, and you hadn't your child, your daughter, your son. So you gotta like, take care and be in the moment with your child. So I think that kind of resets you, because then you're not as mad after, right? Instead of being super emotional after. Or you lose a game, your kid's at the game, they come up and hug you, I'm proud of you. Like, it's okay, you lost. You're not as mad. Aww. Yeah, It's hard to be. Or <laughs> my son one time would be like, Stanford always beats you, and I be like... <laughs> <laughs> But you have to laugh because they don't. They're just kids, so I think unfiltered. Yeah, unfiltered. You just um. I think you just understand, and you're more nurturing. I think after a mom, you're more nurturing to your players, because you have um. You think like, oh, what well, I'd want someone to take care of my kid like that. So I think there's just you just your whole perspective changes. Your whole um, things like being so high and so low. I, I'm more like this. I'm not really like this. I mean, I, I kid a little bit of super stressful times. But people don't know that championship run, personally, was the hardest year of my life. Like, I look back at pictures, I'm like, whoa, I look like destroyed. I was so exhausted, but like, it was just like, you just do it. Like, it's not what I expected. Wow. Like, before hey, we played UConn, I put out like a tree. I don't know if you remember that. Caprice, like, up half the night. And I remember crying and being like, being like, well, and my husband. So I didn't feel supported at that time, not because I wasn't supported, because of what I was going through. And when you in a bubble, so I remember my husband had Mateo, and they had fallen asleep. Like, our, like I didn't have a nanny in the bubble because it couldn't bring anybody in the bubble. So my help was like, everybody's sleeping, I can wake people up. I remember Capri waking up at like three in the morning. I nursed her and then she like spit up. I had the shower. You can't take a bath there. There was no bath there, but I only had a shower. So she's like slippery when I'm showering. I remember being like, I can't believe this. And I remember crying and saying, "Is she only near the game, I have to go tomorrow. You know, like, I remember, <laughs> I remember like crying and I put some on social media. So I was frustrated. And I'm like, she doesn't know I'm coaching against someone who's won 11 national champions. Like, you know, it was just like, I remember crying and being like, she doesn't even understand. I need to get some rest. And I remember just being so spent that morning and I remember taking 20 minutes before the shooter. I was like, I just need 20 minutes. I gave like Capri to someone. I was like, I need 20 minutes. I haven't slept. I remember being so overwhelmed and like having to be like, idea, pull it together. But then we played, like, we were prepared. I knew that. Like, I had to do some preparation in the afternoon. So I had all these people watching Capri helping me. I was pumping all this stuff, had to get some like game stuff done. And we were super prepared. We went out and played great, but I had them prepared. But I remember crying the night before, like, that's not day. I don't know how you know Coach's game. I have out had this sleep. Like I remember that. I remember the video.
1: Like my goodness. Like I have to talk about this because you went out there and you guys beat you. Yeah, with like, final four played well. So punch. You're taken to the national championship, and there was a very, a very unapologetic celebration. And now it
0: all makes sense. But it well totally sense. that celebration. So people, I have the, so much respect for Coach Daly. Like Gino. I think. Uh-huh. Like I love him. I met him years ago through Super and all my closest friends. So it had nothing to do with you guys. We went out and played well. They were a better team. Like they I think they honestly we snuck up on them. Like they were better. They should have if we would have played them eight times then we'd be just up. But mm-hmm. we played really well when we were prepared and we were like tough. And I think we just like outplayed them that one game. Um, but and I think they overlooked us probably. But like after the game, it had nothing to do with them. It just had everything to do with no one even thought we'd even make it to the Final Four, yet alone even go into the championship game. Not one person thought that. It's but us. And we were like, so it was more like, so F everybody in this country that thinks so because we believe in us. And it was a special moment. That's I apologize for it. And it was like, it had nothing to do with nothing to do with media. It just had to do with us. Like, see, we believed in each other, so let's go. But I remember being so exhausted and thinking like, I don't even know. Like, It was just like, that year was hard for me. Yeah. And to know
1: that you had the night that you had had and you said that was one of the hardest years of your life personally and one of the best years of your life career wise. It's a testament to what women can really accomplish with perseverance, with resilience and just that mindset to get it done. And that's something that that mothers have truly phenomenal. And and coach, for, for those who feel like they must choose between their career, their families and and their children. What would you say to an aspiring woman who who wants to do well in her career, but she feels like that could be hindered? The progression of her career can be hindered in the sports industry because she is a mother.
0: Well, like you don't think like that yet. You haven't done it yet. Mm-hmm. Like if you go for it, I think that uh, you, you can't be afraid to fail like you fail all the time. Like we feel like no one's a perfect mom. No one's a perfect wife. Like you go for it. Like you set your goals and you figure it out. And then the mm-hmm. thing is, like, what do you have to lose? Not ever trying, you're never gonna do it anyway. So why not put your best foot forward? Go for it. And then if you don't make it, it's like, you can go to Plan B anyways. You can like not do well, go to Plan B because you wouldn't. You're not even it if you just if you don't try it. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have the opportunity to do it. So like, don't sell yourself short. Like I remember I had a seven month old baby. This job came up. I wasn't applying for a coaching job. I I was like, I'm not ready. Like, and I just had a baby. I remember thinking that as my mindset. One of my mentors was like, Adia, are you crazy? Do you think I was ready when I got this opportunity? Well, she was the administrator. She was one of the first, she was the first in the country, um, female administrator of her time. Her name is Rocky the Rose. And she was the first one to get football, men's basketball. Like no woman had had that role. And then she had interim AD. So she was like, do you think I was ready? So you're never ready. There's never a great time. so you go for it and you figure it out you have a little bit more support. You, your partner like my husband supports me. My husband moved from Italy. I could have went over there and chased his career. He came here to support me. Wow It's, it's like I think that you just find really good people around you and you do it. but what's a, what are you gonna lose from going for it? You go, go for, for it. it. If you fail like if you, you never tried it you would have a chance to fail. at least you did everything you could in your power. You set your goals high. You took a chance, just like you would tell your kids to do. Mm-hmm. You kid, oh, don't do that. Don't go for the varsity team because you might not make it. You might not be tall enough, just like they told Ari. So you told you said, no, you try your best. You work your butt off. You go do it. And if you don't make it, you go play on TV. Like it doesn't, you don't lose anything. So you're not afraid to fail. You go for it. You, you set your limits high and you do your very best. And at the end of the day, when you can look in the mirror, And you can say, I did my best. I had the baby. I tried. I put my heart into it. And if you didn't make it, it probably wasn't meant to be. There's probably something else better than you're going to do. Because if you're you're there, if you're supposed to be there and it's right for you, I think everything happens the way it should. So if you're working your butt off hard, you're doing great, and it happens the way it should, you're going to be where you should be. And if not, you're going to be somewhere else. Like If I'm supposed to be in Arizona, I'm be in Arizona. If not, I'm going to be somewhere else. And it's like, but it's where I'm destined to be. It's what I'm destined to do. I would have never thought I was going to coach. But then something inspired me to try, right? Something like something was in my head that said, go ahead and try. I would never thought about coaching at 26. And I did it. And I love it. I feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be. And if there ever comes a day where I'm not loving it, or I can't inspire someone, or I'm not enjoying it, or I can't be my best, I'm going to walk away and do something else where I can give it my best. So I think that you just go for it. And you. You follow your heart and you just, you aren't afraid to fail. Give it your best. Your best is always good enough. Coach, this is
1: our final segment in the show. And we're going to do a little preseason testing and preparing you guys for the NCAA tournament this year. Gotta apply some pressure. This is where we go into rapid fire questions. We're going to ask you a series of questions. You get five seconds to answer each question. We're going to give you a thirty-second shot clock. You were thirty in Arizona, right? Yes,
0: oh, so you have thirty. I did. <laughs>
1: yeah, you're, you're familiar with that number. We're going to give you a thirty-second shot clock. That's one possession. Five seconds for each question. You up for the challenge? Yep. All right, let's dive right into it. What's your favorite game day
0: song right now? Game day song. Well, I don't have game day songs because I listen to kids stuff with my kids. <laughs> okay. Is it Baby Shark? Yeah. Like, you know, my, my, my Coco Melon. Like, I don't really listen to I'm not superstitious like that. Let's say Coco Melon because you have a kid in the car. Coco Melon. All right. Best basketball memory? I mean, playing in the national championship. Not losing, but being there and, and playing in a national championship. A hill you are willing to die on as a coach. Well, like for me, it's like doing things the right way. Like I'm not going to compromise like winning a championship because I did something the wrong way. So I think just my integrity, who I am, what we do daily, and I'm willing to, if that means not winning and I had to walk away, I'm going to walk away. I'm going to do things the right way in the the way I want to do it. Advice for your younger self. Don't be afraid to take chances, because my younger self wouldn't take chances like this. Mm, I love it. Be confident, be the woman you know you can be and go out and just like conquer the world. Who are the women that shaped you into the woman you are today? My mom is one of them. Um, my mom's name is Patricia. She's from Chicago. She's this little Italian lady from Chicago. Shite. town Yeah, she's very strong, resilient. What she went through, like I think just having me and my siblings, like Her, uh, my sister, and just some really strong females around me throughout my career. What's one thing your mother instilled in you? Like, you fall on your face to get back up. So I didn't, Uh it wasn't coddling. Um, If I failed, my mom didn't sit there and cry. The mom would say, You get back up, you you hold your head up high, you fix your crown, and you keep it moving. Like, she always was like that. And that's why I think I'm like that. Beautiful. Last question Best lesson you learned as a mother? that um, you don't need to measure yourself to anyone else. Um, yeah. People do things differently. There isn't a right way to be a mom. Um, you don't need to have mommy guilt. Like you do your best and you figure it out. And parenting looks different to different people and you raise your kids the best way you know how to, but you also learn how to be great. And I think what I've also learned as a mom is is it's quality time, it's not quantity. Mm-hmm. So. Like some some moms to stay home all day, they still don't spend time with their kids. So you make time and you find time. That's quality time where you give your kids and it may be 10 minutes a day of undivided one-on-one attention, but you find that and that's it's very important. And so you make your time. That, that is sound advice for women in careers. Phenomenal
1: conversation. Coach, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, it's fun.
2: Hey, about time listeners, I'm Vanessa Fuchs. CEO of WeCoach. With the start of the new academic year, we invite you to check out our year round leadership program supporting women coaches in all sports and levels. Our transformational programs include the NCAA Women Coaches Academy, our Youth and High School Women Coaches Academy, regional workshops, monthly video chats, our mentor program. We amplify supporting women coaches of color. Catch a Vision, a workshop for aspiring women coaches, and more. Today's podcast guest, Coach Adia Barnes, may even be interested in a new program we'll soon launch, We Connect Women Coaches, coach-led and coach-inspired small group huddles that will include a huddle dedicated to moms who coach. To learn more, check out our website, wecoachsports.org.
1: Well, that's our show. Thank you for listening. If you would like to hear more episodes like this, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts into our YouTube channel. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.